are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to week eight of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Rich Hill. I am not with Alex Shane this week. We had some technical difficulties, and our hour-long recording just got completely deleted. Super sorry about that. We'll have everything back next week. But I am here right now to give a quick runaround about week seven and what we just saw between the Patriots and the Bears, what else happened around the AFC East, and you know, talk about a little bit of the news that is taking place this week. So let's start with some of the games that happened in the AFC last week. It was a really good week for the New England Patriots in particular because the AFC East all lost in very, very wonderful, beautiful fashion. Uh, the Buffalo Bills got absolutely eviscerated by the Indianapolis Colts, 37-5. to They started quarterback Derek Anderson, who had three interceptions on 31 attempts, no touchdowns. Clearly, they only had five points. The only... You know, got two points from a safety with Andrew Luck dropping the ball out of the back of the end zone. So they really only got a field goal out of it. LaShawn McCoy suffered a concussion injury. Hopefully he's okay, but it puts his availability for next week in jeopardy. And they've had to play Chris Ivory as their top running back, who did an okay job. Uh, he had 81 rushing yards, chipped in 25 receiving yards. He's still that back that the Patriots are familiar with from his time with the Jets. But you know, the Bills really didn't do anything all that interesting, and their once-vaunted defense got slammed by the Colts. Andrew Luck had four touchdowns on 23 attempts, only 156 passing yards, but that's because they had over 200 rushing yards on the day. Incredibly successful day for the Colts, so it's always great to see the Bills lose in such a hilarious fashion. Uh, the New York Jets, they were in third place in the AFC East. They got walloped by the Minnesota Vikings, 37-17. to Sam Darnold also had three interceptions on the day. The Jets couldn't get the rushing game going, and the Minnesota Vikings had a pretty easy time winning. Adam Thalen is making his case to be a top-three wide receiver in the entire NFL, had a seventh straight game of 100-plus receiving yards, had 110 and a touchdown. Kirk Cousins had a very solid day in the office, 241 yards, two touchdowns. And Latavius Murray had two rushing touchdowns on the ground, most clearly. Uh, and so this Jets team, I think they are what we expected them to be. They're really a 6-10, and 7-9 team. They are 3-4 and four right now. They're not a terrible team, and their future is relatively bright, all things considered. They have some pieces in place, but they're still very far away from doing anything with it. And a lot can change between now and then. So they have their eyes set on 2019, possibly 2020. And if they are good at that point, then maybe we'll have a little bit more interesting conversation about the Jets. And the Miami Dolphins, they were 4-2 and entering the week against the Detroit Lions. They lost 32-21, so the New England Patriots have sole possession of first place in the AFC East, which is very lovely to see. Everything's back to normal. That is great. The Miami Dolphins had to start Brock Osweiler again because Ryan Tannehill... Continue to deal with his injury. Osweiler had a fine day in the office, 239 passing yards, two touchdowns, but they lost slot receiver Albert Wilson to a leg injury. Frank Gore had a very, you know, unspectacular day compared to the week before against the Chicago Bears, only 29 rushing yards on 10 attempts. And on the other side of the ball, the Detroit Lions had a fantastic outing. Carry on Johnson, their rookie running back. 158 rushing yards, 21 receiving yards, completely dominant performance. The Lions haven't had a running back like Johnson in a long time. 
And so they're happy to get that going. It really takes a lot of the pressure off of Matt Stafford, who completed 18 of 22 passes. That's unbelievable. So this Dolphins defense is in complete shambles, whether it's against the pass or against with the run. They don't really have too much hope in their passing game right now because of all of their injuries. In short, they have a fine rushing attack. Kenyon Drake, 72 rushing yards on six attempts, also a touchdown, chipped in uh, four catches for 15 yards. Drake is, you know, a, a very solid back out there, but he can't do it all. And so I expect the Patriots to continue to distance themselves from the Miami Dolphins over the coming weeks. Looking around the AFC as a whole, it was also, again, a pretty solid week for the Patriots because the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that holds the head-to-head tiebreaker against New England, I think their season's over. They lost to the Houston Texans 20-7. to They've lost, what, four out of four straight, I believe? Uh, and, and they just haven't done anything impressive at all. They benched quarterback Blake Bortles. He completed 50% of his passes for 61 yards, but he just wasn't getting anything done. They don't have a rushing game with Leonard Fournette sidelined. They've been dealing with injuries on their offensive line. And, you know, if you hold an opposing team to 20 points, you expect yourself to at least be within the final possession of potentially winning that game. But Lamar Miller, 100 rushing yards and a touchdown. Deshaun Watson, only 139 passing yards and a touchdown, did just enough to win. And that's like they ran out to a 20-0 lead against the Jaguars. And so that was all over at that point before the, the Jaguars were finally able to score with Cody Kessler. At quarterback, but so long as Blake Bortles is going to be their quarterback and he looks like t- he will start for them next week in London, so long as Blake Bortles is their quarterback, they're going to be wildly inconsistent. And I mean, I have no idea how the Jaguars were so thoroughly able to just walk up and down the field against the Patriots in week two. But that is what it is. This is an entirely different Jaguars team. It's an entirely different Patriots team. Now that the Jaguars are 3-4, and four, the Patriots are in comfortable position as we're roughly around midseason that hopefully the, any tiebreaker won't have to come into effect because, honestly, the Jaguars aren't even in first place in their division. They're looking up at the Texans at 4-3. and three. So with the current state of affairs, that tiebreaker might not come into play, and New England should be in comfortable position to get at least one of the two first-round buys because Kansas City helped out a little bit. Kansas City, I know the Patriots have the head-to-head tiebreaker against them, and we would absolutely love to see the Chiefs handed their second loss, but Chiefs absolutely annihilated the Cincinnati Bengals, 45-10. to Chiefs are now 6-1. and Bengals fell to 4-3. and Patrick Mahomes, Four passing touchdowns, 358 passing yards. Kareem Hunt, 86 rushing yards and a touchdown. Added 55 receiving yards and two touchdowns. What a monster day from him. Travis Kelsey, five catches for 95 yards. Tyreek Hill, 68 yards and a touchdown. Very well-rounded performance from the Chiefs. And you just have to expect that at the end of the day, it'll be Patriots-Chiefs because the AFC North is kind of a jumbled mess right now. We're not exactly sure what happened uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were on a bye week, and they were in third place in the division behind both the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Baltimore Ravens lost to the New Orleans Saints on a last-second missed extra point by Justin Tucker, so they couldn't force overtime. It was Justin Tucker's first missed extra point since high school. That's unbelievable, and that would have tied the game 24-24 to force overtime, but instead both the, the Ravens and the Bengals are now 4-3. and three. The Steelers lead the division at 3-2-1. and one. And that's interesting and actually kind of important for the Patriots because so long as the AFC North is such a tight and hotly contested battle, 
that makes it easier for the Patriots when it comes to getting a bye week because the Patriots played the AFC South this season. And so whatever head-to-head takes place, that'll really impact uh, you know, the final playoff seedings. And we all kind of expect the Patriots to be ahead of the AFC South just because they're not a good division. They kind of look like a mess. It's not going to be the Titans. The Jaguars are a mess right now. And then the Texans, Patriots already have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So when it comes to who could possibly vie with the Patriots for the non-Chiefs first round bye, it's the AFC North. And when the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Steelers are all competing with each other, where they're all neck and neck, and they're all hotly, you know, the, every single game is hotly contested, goes down to the wire, they're handing each other losses, that means that it's going to be easier at the end of the day for the Patriots to get that first round bye, and then whichever team wins the AFC North will be, you know, battered by the end of the year, and they'll also have to play during wild card weekend. And so, Patriots, they did take care of business. They moved on to 5-2. and two. They beat the Chicago Bears 38-31. They held on to that last-second Hail Mary uh, defense that allowed the Bears to get to the goal line. Uh, Josh Gordon tried his best to knock it down over the top, but kudos to Jason McCourty, Deron Harmon, J- uh, Devin McCourty, and uh, I want to say Jonathan Jones all played a part in making sure that Kevin White did not get over the goal line. They played to the last second, and it proved that it was everything that they needed. There was a lot to like with the Patriots on this one. Uh, I mean, very happy to see Josh Gordon get his first 100-yard game. For the Patriots, they needed him, especially with Rob Gronkowski's sideline and Sonny Michelle injured early on. They needed someone else to step up, and Gordon absolutely did that. He had that amazing catch and run for 55 yards all the way down to the goal line where it looked like he probably should have scored a touchdown, but he ran out of gas, and I expect him to get into a little bit better football shape, make sure that he's able to run away from defenders in the future. I think that we'll see a little bit more of that moving forward. He's really ascended to that number two receiver spot for the Patriots. You got Julian Edelman in that top spot, Gordon number two, Chris Hogan number three. I think that's best for Chris Hogan. He'll be able to be more productive against the you know the number three defensive back for opposing teams. Those were more favorable matchups than the first quarter of the season where he's playing or playing against the top defender. And Josh Gordon, I mean. He's earned it. He's done a great job out there. He's proven that he can handle the number two guy better than Chris Hogan can. So it's excellent to see that out there. And particularly because the Chicago Bears had that game plan where, you know what, Rob Gronkowski's sidelined. He's not playing. So who are you going to focus on? You're going to make sure that Julian Edelman doesn't take over the game. So the Bears did a lot of zone. They did a lot of bracket to make sure that Edelman couldn't roam in the middle of the field. And they said, you know what, Tom Brady? Can you throw to the sidelines? Can you use Josh Gordon? Can you use Chris Hogan? And he answered that with a resounding yes. And then also said, ha ha, I'm going to throw it to James White because you're covering him with a pass rusher. What are you doing? Leonard Floyd can't handle James White? That's nuts. And James White caught eight passes for 57 yards and two touchdowns, chipped in 40 rushing yards, and a very, very complete day for White. And uh, you know what? Really solid day in the office for the Patriots on offense. Yeah, Tom Brady threw one interception that was bounced off of James Devlin's hand, who really should have caught it. Uh, but overall, it was a pretty solid day. I know Sony Michelle had that fumble, but it's hard to blame him when he dealt with such a potentially devastating knee injury. I never blame a player if he looks like he's suffering. You know, he sprained his MCL, could have been an ACL injury. And if a player drops a football in the midst of an injury like that, I'm never going to hold that against him. I'm just very, very happy and relieved that the injury is not as serious as it looked upon initial viewing. And that he is week to week right now, according to Adam Schefter from ESPN. And so in my mind, the Patriots should keep out Sony Michelle for, you know, the next couple of weeks until after the bye. And 
I expect James White to really step in and continue to hold down the fort and for the Patriots to potentially bring in some other running back over the next day or two in order to just flesh out the depth chart, really. You know, unless they're going to use Cordero Patterson as a running back, you can't really have just James White and Kenyon Barner back there because you don't really have a strong in-between-the-tackles goal-line type of rusher that you need to succeed. Unless you're just going to say, you know what, I'm just going to throw those quick passes to James White in the flat once you get into the red zone. And that's an entirely reasonable strategy. I mean, if, if James White can't be defended, might as well keep going to it until someone proves they can stop it. Especially when you got teams like the Bills, the Packers, and the Titans coming up that don't necessarily have the strongest defenses. So Tom Brady has plenty of, of options in his offense. Hopefully, Rob Gronkowski will be able to return next week. He had back spasms that held him out of the Bears. Everyone on the team expects him back. It should have been a short-term thing. They tried to get him healthy. It was a last-second decision, and he should be able to go. I'd expect him to be limited in practice this week, but they're, they're definitely monitoring Gronkowski's health. They want him there, especially because of his history of back injuries. Uh, looking on the defensive side of the ball, though, Uh, Actually, no, before we go to the defensive side of the ball, we've got to give a tip of the cap to the Patriots offensive line because this Bears defense was highly vaunted coming into this game. Khalil Mack is one of the best pass rushers in the entire league, and I know that he's been battling with an ankle injury, so he was definitely limited. But did you hear his name all game? Did you hear Akeem Hicks' name all game? Eddie Goldman? I mean, these are some very top talent players in the Bears defensive front. They didn't do anything. And part of the reason is because the Bears did this very curious uh, game plan where they dropped both Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack into coverage a lot, possibly in an attempt to cover James White unsuccessfully in the flat. Not really sure, but they dropped them a lot, and that allowed Tom Brady to have hours inside the pocket. But when they did try to rush the quarterback, it was an outstanding day from Adrian Waddle and Trent Brown, making sure that Tom Brady was completely clean. The entire day. Yeah, there, there was a, a few bad hits in there. I want to say that was David Andrews' fault up the middle. Uh, just missed communication on some bits as well. But the tackles did an outstanding job. Very, very happy to see that. And we have to hope that Marcus Cannon's able to return next week as he returns from his concussion. But Waddle's done a pretty solid job in the past two weeks in his stead. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed we don't have any more injuries. But in the meantime, everyone was pretty successful. Flipping it to the other side of the ball, the Chicago Bears didn't really get anything going on offense at all. And You know, I, I mean, you have to give credit where credit's due. They did put up 31 points. They did get down to the goal line. They were one yard away from potentially tying the game. But was it even really that close? They benefit from great field position. They scored 21 points off of Patriots turnovers. Uh, one of them was the interception. They got a touchdown. Uh, one of them was that fumble. They set him up for an easy touchdown. And then the Cordero Patterson fumble inside, I believe it was on the 26-yard line on the kick return. That set them up for seven extra points. So 21 of the Bears' 31 points came off of turnovers. Those are huge swings. And the Patriots still managed to win this. Mitch Trubisky, this is something that I think is a little bit concerning. Mitch Trubisky had six carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. Four of his rushing attempts came on third down. He converted all of them, either for a first down or a touchdown. And the Patriots couldn't do anything about it. I don't know if maybe the defenders just misunderstood how athletic Trubisky is. I mean, he ran, I believe, a 4.64 40-yard dash. He was .01 slower than Deshaun Watson 
at the combine in the 40-yard dash. Trubisky has wheels. And it seemed like for one of the mistakes for the Patriots defensive front is that they just completely misread how fast Trubisky was. I, I thought there was like multiple times during the game where the linebackers would try to crash, make sure that Trubisky couldn't leave the pocket. And Trubisky was just faster than them. And it looked like the linebackers just took bad angle after bad angle after bad angle. And you have to think that they just didn't understand or appreciate how fast Trubisky was. That was one type of the issue that the Patriots had that allowed Trubisky to roll out, you know, gain some extra yards. The other issue was that when the edge defenders, you know, the Trey Flowers and Adrian Claiborne's, crashed the pocket to try and, you know, disrupt Trubisky, make sure he didn't get a clean pocket to throw in, what's supposed to happen is that the defensive tackles are supposed to roll over and try to take over that vacant spot. So say Trey Flowers goes after the quarterback, the defensive tackle is supposed to peel a little bit to the outside to make sure that Trubisky doesn't have an open rushing lane. That didn't happen. There were multiple times where Danny Shelton, uh, I believe also Adam Butler, were unable to cover that gap. And that allowed Trubisky to have a wide open field to say, all right, I'm just going to step up, avoid this pressure, and just have daylight in order to run for first down. They're going to have to try and figure this out in the coming weeks because they got Aaron Rodgers and Marcus Mariota back in to back in week nines and 10. So they have to solve that before. And this is something that they've kind of struggled with all year, even if it hasn't completely yielded in pure rushing yards. You know, even Patrick Mahomes is able to roll out of the pocket. And he was just he's just such a special player that he was able to use that to find passing yards down the field. Not every quarterback can do that, but it seems like there are rushing yards for quarterbacks to take. Very big concern. Looking at the rest of the Bears' offense, though, Patriots did a good job stopping Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen as rushers out of the backfield. They had 18 carries. They only had, I believe, 53 rushing yards and a touchdown, so that's a very good day in the office for the Patriots' defensive front that brought back Malcolm Brown. Love to see that happening. And additionally, Mitch Trubisky was wildly inaccurate as a passer. Yeah, he finished with 333 passing yards. 54 of those came on that final Hail Mary. A lot of it just came in garbage time, which, or I guess maybe you can't call it garbage time because it was such a close game, but it was against a soft zone defense of the Patriots. Trubisky barely threw over 50% of his passes, or barely completed over 50% of his passes. He had two interceptions. The Patriots probably should have had three more including two in the red zone that would have taken scores off the board. Landon Roberts and Stephon Gilmore could not come down with the ball. It's going to come. In the coming weeks, Patriots, they seem to have so many bad breaks on defense where every single week there's two passes that they should have come down with interceptions that just bounce off their face mask or bounce off their chest and just fall out of their hands. It'll fix. You know, it'll regress back to where the Patriots are able to come down with those in a routine fashion. Unless, of course, we're going to argue that the J.C. Jackson and Jonathan Jones interceptions, those aren't routine. So maybe that was a a ball-don't-lie sort of situation where, uh, you know, the Patriots are getting some positive play that are a little bit more on the miraculous side with Jonathan Jones getting that one-handed grab and J.C. Jackson just pulling the ball right out of the hands of the Bears' uh, receiver. So... Who knows? We'll see how that plays out. I expect the Patriots to get a little bit better on the turnover market for the rest of the season. One concern I do have, though, is how the Patriots defend tight ends. Because of all the players in that Bears offense, the only one that, or I guess there are two players that were regularly able to contribute, one of them being Tariq Cohen out of the backfield. We kind of all expected that. No one should be surprised that Cohen had 69 yards and a touchdown on eight receptions, chipped in 14 rushing yards. 
Cohen is one of those quick gadgety players that will absolutely give the Patriots linebackers fits when he comes out of the backfield. So we all kind of knew that. We've known for a few years that the Patriots struggle to cover those running backs. It is what it is at that point. But kind of what's been in more of a new development is how the Patriots have struggled to cover these tight ends. And Trey Burton came out there, nine catches, 126 yards, and a touchdown. He seemed like he was wide open on every single play. And sure, the Patriots played a lot of zone in the middle of the field. They wanted to take over as much space as they could. I know that they're using man on the outside because Stephon Gilmore, Jason McCourty, they're absolutely lights out on the edges. But Trey Burton always seemed to find the open spot up the seam. And it's because the Patriots had their safeties playing far over the top. And so they just did those quick release passes to, to Burton, hit him in stride right as he gets the free releases off the edge. He gets it rumbles 10 yards goes down gets it rumbles 10 yards goes down and it seems like that was just a regular thing those quick passes and the Patriots need to get a little bit more physical and aggressive with these tight ends unless of course that was their game plan I have a hard time thinking that it was because none of the wide receivers did anything and Burton was just it seemed like it was just too easy for Burton you never expect anything to be that easy you expect to be a little bit more competitive but Maybe the Patriots said, you know what, Trey Burton can get his 10 yards per per attempt. Uh, Trubisky's not completing anything to the outside whatsoever. His completion map is absolutely atrocious to the outside. So if you can keep everything funneled in the middle of the field, you have a big lead, you're trying to run out the clock. Maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. They didn't really ever have that big of a lead until early in the fourth quarter when they got up 38-24. So they probably should figure out how they can defend tight ends because they did an okay job against Travis Kelsey with the Chiefs, but they also allowed like 160 yards and three touchdowns to the Indianapolis Colts tight ends, and they have Jimmy Graham and Aaron Rodgers coming in Week 9. He is a, a pretty good quarterback-tight end combo right there, so you got to watch out for that. But uh, the Patriots, I mean, you can't blame the 31 points entirely on the defense. Not every point is worth the same amount. I mean, at the end of the day, sure, but you you can't give or credit or blame for every single point in equal measures. A lot of really good football by that defense. I think that Stephon Gilmore has been absolutely lights out as a as a cornerback. He did not allow a single completion in coverage all day. Eric Rowe had a solid day out there. Jason McCourty, I believe he was technically in coverage during the Hail Mary, but he had an excellent day. Jonathan Jones had a pretty good day. They had some tough times covering Tariq Cohen, but ultimately it was it was okay out there uh adrian claiborne got his first sack of the season and he's done a good job generating pressure Derek rivers actually outsnapped dietrich wise which is something worth noting but something that you really like to see malcolm brown lawrence guy each had three tackles that's wonderful that means that the running backs aren't getting past the first line of defense that's beautiful to see. Uh, Patrick Chung was busy, seven tackles on the day. That's because of how active Trey Burton was. Kyle Van Noy, Dante Hightower, 11 combined tackles right there, including one for a loss. Everything that the Patriots did was pretty solid. It's just a matter of making sure that they don't set up the Bears with such good field position. You know, and the Patriots have had a lot of issues with turnovers this year. And you wonder when it's either going to stop or if this is just the state of affairs. Because uh, New England has turned the ball over so many times. Three times against the Bears, once against the Chiefs, twice against the Colts and Dolphins. They have a turnover on offense every single game of the year. They've had two or more in half of their games. That has to stop. That really has to stop, especially because they're in the midst of one of the tougher streaks 
you can't give the Packers an extra possession. You can't give the Vikings an extra possession. You can't give the Steelers an extra possession. Hopefully the Patriots will get a little bit of the reprieve that they need against the Buffalo Bills next week on Monday night football. Uh, the Patriots will be major favorites against the Bills because, as we said, the Bills are in a terrible, terrible state. We apologize preemptively to the entire country for what's going to happen on Monday night football because this Bills team is just yuck. They don't have anyone on offense. I expect the Patriots to win every single matchup in the secondary. Chris Ivory is probably going to have a fine enough day because who can really cover him out of the backfield for the Patriots? But as a runner, I don't think he'll get that much either. So, I I mean, the Patriots are currently two touchdown favorites. That sounds fair to me, although I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots just absolutely walloped them. And we'll have more on the Patriots versus the Bills later this week. And we'll have, uh, you know, more Patriots Bears previews or reviews on patspulpit.com. We'll have Bills preview on patspulpit.com. I really appreciate everyone from listening. Please feel free to subscribe, leave us a review. And until next time, you have a good one. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.